just to say, can I not have that very personal information about my family be the start? Like the. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial Halloween Horror Month. This week, it's the crazies. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like the crazies, we're the friendliest place on earth. Um, no, doesn't work, does it? I mean, anybody who's ever listened to this show before knows that that is just not true. It, but, it doesn't even work as the film's tagline. Let alone. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's ironic. Um, but that, unfortunately, the only other tagline that I could have used was, uh, just like the crazies, we're infectious. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought, yeah, let's to avoid that. Yeah, yeah, yeah good uh, call. Yeah, in the era of COVID. <laughs> um, okay, now this week's film on trial is, as I just said, the 2010 horror film, The Crazies. Is it... George A. Romero, or is it George W. Bush? That's a very loud scream, isn't it? Um, essentially, we're going to find out if it will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, just to say this will be a very spoilerific episode, so if you haven't seen The Crazies yet, check it out. It's about £3.50 on Prime. Or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz. This week, it will be brought to you by me. And it's going to start around 45 minutes, I reckon. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Hubie Halloween. And Joel judged that trial. And he deemed that Hubie Halloween should be placed on the hit list. I know. Complete madness. Uh, now he's since gone away and he's watched QB Halloween unfortunately did he make the right call Joel uh, you know what if it was on a scale I would give Joel. it 10 out of 10 <laughs> if, if that scale was most annoying voices in films <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean that voice yeah like it, yeah. it doesn't really matter like the content of the film for me because it was just so annoying yeah um it was hard to make that argument to, to try and convince you that actually a voice could break an entire film. But Yeah, but, you know, on the positive side, like, I do think, you know, if you don't enjoy, like, scary, you know, Halloween-type films, then it has got, like, a nice Halloween vibe, and it did make me laugh, like, a few times. So I think, you know, it, it's definitely got, like, a market for people like Ozzy. Um, <laughs> it's like the perfect film for us isn't it like it's been made just for him <laughs> yeah. so i don't think it's you know it's terrible i think it's better than than a lot of like his other recent stuff um so yeah i probably wouldn't have put it on the hit list had i had i watched it um and then judged it myself but i don't think it's like a terrible thing that it's on there yeah it's it's like a 2020 version of hocus pocus but a bit shit um, <laughs> I disagree and say it's it's an awful thing. It's on there. And <laughs> the, the little credit we had as a film review show petered away yet last week as as we put Hubie Halloween on the hit list. Oh, I, <laughs> think, I think we burned through our credit in like the first three. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Dave, I'm just saying, that any last, if there was any doubt, do you know what I mean? It was. There wasn't. Hubie Halloween is up there in the upper echelons of the hit list with Roadhouse <laughs> and Crossroads. Force one, don't remember. Force one. <laughs> one as well. Uh, okay, so thank you very much for that, Joel. Now, on to the bulk of the show. As I said before, uh, this week is, of course, a continuation of our Halloween Horror Month. I can't tell you how many times I've been scammed on eBay. It's <laughs> <laughs> too cheap to pay for the version that doesn't have the adverts. <laughs> now, this week it is, of course, my turn. I, as I picked the film, I will be acting in defense and trying to get the film placed on the hit list. So uh, this week, for insults, I've gone with George A. Romero films. And I'm a little bit like the creep from Creepshow. Equal parts camp and disturbing. <laughs> and all of the other roles have been picked out at random. So joining me on defense will be Joel. And Joel is just like the townsfolk from the crazies. Seemingly pleasant at first, but then you realize just how much of an arsehole he is. And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Ozzy. Dave is a little bit like the monkey 
from Monkey Shines, 90% body hair. <laughs> and Ozzy is just like Martin from Martin. He dresses like a vampire and nobody likes him. Now, does anyone, does anyone remember how this segment got started? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're now, I mean, now we're literally sat in silence, right? Waiting, as just waiting to be one insulted. by yeah. one, just insulting us. Do you know what I mean? Listen, like, I, I mean, now we, you know what I mean? It's just I suddenly had a moment of like an epiphany of like, what, what, where, how has this happened? <laughs> On oh, my turn. I, I have I have offered this uh, this opportunity many times to you guys to write these bits, you know, or think of something else, but nobody has come up with anything better. So <laughs> insulting you one by one is the best option that we've got. I'm sorry. Uh, now, I, just like real courts, advocates, defence, and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. They may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Which means this week, Alex will be playing the judge. Uh-huh. And Alex is just like the zombies from Night of the Living Dead. He looks like he's clawed himself out of a grave and he'll genuinely eat anything. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I didn't say anything about the smell of your bin either, so just give me some credit for that. (laughs) Now, Alex must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. You don't need to spin it because we've already decided that you do it for your own film. Yeah, yeah. Stop trying to calm the listeners by saying that there's a random (laughs) wheel that's being spun when we know it's you that's doing it. I am spinning a wheel. 200 quid on that wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, here I I hear the the person, whoever it may be, uh, (laughs) will be reading off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it's landed on me. Could you believe it? Uh, Now, how should I read the synopsis? Um, um, An Iowa resident. That famous Iowa accent. (laughs) Uh, Just try and mimic... Timothy Oliphant, I'd say he's got this kind of drawl, hasn't he? He's got kind of a southern drawl. Okay, it's not it's not particularly Iowa, but it's- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll draw my way through it. Okay, after a strange and insecure plane crash, an unusual toxic virus enters a quaint farming town. A young couple are quarantined, but they fight for survival along with the help from a couple of people. Oh man, you should do like election adverts in America. You know, I mean, strong Americana voice. But, you know. Yeah, but just like a scenic views of yeah, like exactly. people in a farm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Corn-fed children running around. Yeah. Wow. Bourbon flowing like water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so without further hesitation, Alex, would you please kick off proceedings? Well, I'm going to shoot it right back to you, Gav. Uh, I've never heard anything about the crazies. Why should I put it on the hit list? Tell me a little bit about why you like it and uh, what it's about. Um, well, I originally picked this film because I really liked it when it came out in 2010. And I don't think it got like a massive amount of respect or the respect that I thought it deserved anyway. And uh, I was like, uh, it'd be interesting to go back 10 years later and rewatch it and see if I still felt the same way. And the answer is, yes, I do. I think it's really, really good. Uh, one of the kind of things that stands out or you might know about it is that it is a remake of the George A. Re- George A. Romero uh, 1970s film, The Crazies. But similar to the Dawn of the Dead remake that came a few years before it, it's kind of given it a new lease of life and it's brought it to the 21st century. Uh, One of the great things I like about this film is the beginning. So as the credits are rolling, I must say, great font, by the way. I don't think Ozzy could disagree with that. But we're treated to this nice, these nice scenic views of a friendly small town America, uh, Ogden Marsh, Iowa, as Joel mentioned before, which is accompanied by this like almost ominous Johnny Cash rendition of We'll Meet Again. And then the film commences with this baseball game in this in the town. Um, everyone in the town is in attendance. It's a lovely sunny day. And then seconds later, one of the town's folk shuffles onto the pitch with a shotgun in his hands. The town sheriff who's played by Timothy Oliphant, he tries to talk the man down, but the man raises his gun to him violently, so Timmy has to shoot him, and uh, you know he has to shut that shit down. Uh, now, panic and chaos then erupt from the crowd, and there we have it, that's the beginning. This is like the first four minutes of the film. You know that you're in for a treat here. 
and more and more seemingly quiet and friendly townsfolk are then being driven to fits of uncontrollable and murderous rage as Timmy tries to figure out what the hell is going on. When he finally discovers that a plane has crash-landed in the lake that feeds into the town's water supply, the film shifts a gear, and then it's that damn bloody American army showing up, swinging their willies around, and trying to quarantine the whole town. Uh, and then it's like a race for Timothy Oliphant, his wife, the town doctor, who's played by Rada Mitchell, and a small group to get out of the town alive, whilst evading crazed and deranged townsfolk, lawless gangs, and the army, who seem even more murderous and dangerous than the infected themselves. Now, I think it's a rare instance of a remake actually being better than the original. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the original, Alex, uh, I think you just said you didn't even know um, there was a remake. Um, but the original, it's it kind of very poor quality it, you know it's it's a really great concept but it's not really that well executed uh, and i think this really builds on it it takes that original concept and it injects a little bit of night of the living dead 28 days later and elements of the stands as well and it creates a really entertaining film and yeah i think it was generally boss wow okay thank you very much um I mean, yeah, I was, one of my questions was going to be, is it presumptuous to remake a George A. Romero film? But you said, no, right out the bat, it's just better than that one. Um, it's got a quick jump into the plot, which does sound quite interesting. And I quite like this idea of like small town America versus the big federal evil government defense. I mean, sorry, prosecution. Anyone got anything they'd like to jump in on this? That was pretty convincing stuff, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, I can jump in on this. Um Gav mentioned that, you know, this is a remake of a George A. Romero th film. Uh, this is nothing uncommon. George A. Romero sanctioned the remakes of a lot of his films in the later years of his life. He's uh, an executive producer on this remake of The Crazy, so it had his blessing. There is no doubt of that. But I think Romero's thing was he always worked with uh, low budget early in his career. He was very much a niche filmmaker. Um, and I think he was always fascinated to see how his films would have turned out with a bigger budget. And that's essentially as far as this experiment goes. This is just him basically green lighting a remake so he can see what would have happened with a bit of Hollywood money behind it. And the result, I don't think, is any better than his original. The production values have increased, for sure. You know, you've got better special effects, of course. That goes with the time as well as the budget. I suppose you've got better performances because you've got named actors, you know, professional actors uh, now in the role. But I would say it lacks the social commentary that Romero's films always had. You know, even with Night of the Living Dead, you know, that was a huge social commentary that there was always this underlying thing. He didn't just make zombie films. There was more to them than that. That's why he was the master of his craft. And this was kind of like a zombie film. They're infected as opposed to being the undead, you know, just like a shot to the heart will kill him. You don't have to destroy the brain as in typical zombie films. They are just infected people. So it's not a typical zombie film, but it's still... The Crazies, the original, had a real subplot running through it, a real sense of structure. When it came to this virus that was sweeping through the town, you know, the end of the original has uh, the, the lone survivor who's made it so far, like in an internment camp, and the people that are in there that could be infected, maybe they are, maybe they're not, break loose and actually in their rampage to escape the camp um, end up trampling the doctor who may have just come up with a possible vaccine and his uh, prototype vaccine is destroyed and he is trampled along with it by this crowd trying to escape. And it's kind of, it, you know, it's you, you don't have to read too much into it to see the kind of commentary that they were trying to make there. There's none of that in this. At the end of this film, they survive a nuclear blast you know, that just kind of like knocks them off their feet and propels their car forward a bit. It lacks all subtlety. It lacks all commentary. I don't think this is any better than Romero's original. I think he really put some subplot in there and some context that this one is lacking. Um, and yeah, as I, like Gav says, the rest of this we've seen before. Once you take away Romero's um, ability to write a story and to, to weave modern day America into it. What you've got is something we've seen before so many times, rural America, you know, a virus sweeping through it. The rest of the nation's not really bothered because it happens in the backwater. The army come in, the army are absolute balance. You know, they're not trying to help anyone. They're just trying to contain, keep it quiet, kill anyone who gets in the way. Um, whereas in Romero's original, the army, you see things from their perspective a little more. You see the torment that the American officers are going through. And then at the end of the film, when they see people breaking out of the internment camp, they're told that there's um, cases springing up in other cities around the United States. And that's kind of, you're like, oh, God damn it moment at the end of that film. This film lacks all of that. You know, at the end of the day, I would say the production values are improved. That is about it. 
Romero is no stranger to remaking his films, but they don't always come out better. I think they rode on the wave of Dawn of the Dead, which was an excellent remake of Romero's original, but no one was able to better that. Um, and that leaves this film kind of a bit dead in the water, I'm afraid. Right, okay. Um, I'd like to go to Joel, but Gav, have you got a quick thing you'd like to say? Yeah, I'd just like to say that I think it did have that element. I mean, when you do a remake of a film, which you one? can't... Sorry, which, oh, which sorry. Um, commentary. Uh, yeah, yeah, the social commentary and, you know, that sort of like ending as well. I, I think when you remake a film, you can't just do it shot for shot. It does have that social commentary. Um, the, the whole thing about the army coming in, you know, like uh, they're originally seen as the saviors. Uh, originally, when they're quarantining people, they're putting like the sick into one camp and then they're taking the ones who aren't sick to another camp. And you think that they're trying to at least help the ones who are, uh, you know, not sick. And then later on in the film, you reveal that, oh, actually, no, they've just killed them as well. Um, you have a federal agent that they come across at one point who's been working on a vaccine he's trying to help them um, but one of the survivors who has been slowly turning he's been getting sicker and sicker he's becoming more angry just shoots him doesn't even let him finish what he was saying so there's that element of oh he that guy could have helped you that guy could have got you out of this situation but no that's it he's gone and then at the end of the film Dave is, is saying about them surviving a nuclear blast like it's they were, they were in a, inside a fridge at the time um, no it's like they, they have been like driving and driving further and further away um, the, the blast does kind of get the back of the car and it flips and then the film ends with the two of them walking to the next state and you know seemingly they've managed to avoid capture and they've got out safe and sound and then the credits start and then there's a news feed there which then reveals that there are cases in the next state that they're in and then a little kind of um, thing comes up like this uh, sort of like switchboard from the army saying like oh yeah moving on to this one as in they're probably going to nuke that one as well so it, they've survived that town but they've just come across the same problems in the next one over okay um all right sorry joel i feel like gav took the defenses one there so i'm going to move to ozzy um, <laughs> <Sorry, Ozzie, man. laughs> um you know dave's saying there that it's like it is less nuanced than the original there's not a lot of nuance and you know any sort of things you could say that for social commentaries is gone would you agree with that um, i've never seen the original surprisingly enough but i i will wholeheartedly say that there is a distinct lack of, uh, of social commentary. It's just a bog standard uh, zombie film. It's 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 barely average of a zombie film as well. There's some jump scares, but in terms of anything more so than a very convenient plot uh, plot point, you know the, these these monsters seem to be uh, fast or slow or smart or or stupid, depending on what suits the scene. You know, it's not even a clever use of of what essentially a zombie yeah, they're not really zombies but that's basically what you've got here is just a zombie film the same as every other zombie film but not nearly as good um so yeah th- there was nothing there was nothing deeper than that um and, and it was a little bit frustrating really that this very end of the let's set it up for a two because they get away from a fucking nuclear blast and now we're going to go on to the next town oh, do you think that's setting up for a sequel I think I think there is this. I think there is a Crazies too, isn't there? I don't know, but no, I'm no. sure. Oh, well, well, I think there's a, an original Crazies too, but there isn't a Crazies oh, two for this. <laughs> oh, well, a remake of the that. sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 might, I might be wrong there. I might be making that. Uh, up. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just when I was uh, searching for this one, I, I saw a Crazies two in the uh, the Amazon listings. I just didn't go for it, um, and I'm glad. <laughs> is the short answer <laughs> okay. yeah, there are a lot of jump scares that's that's probably the best thing I can give to it uh, at this stage there's no um, there's there's really no extra social commentary it's just a lot of people give uh, you know, it's very one very two dimensional like in terms of it's just what's on the screen nothing happens outside of the script um, there's just loads of very very convenient um, activities seem to happen to to let them move on to the next scene like guns appear the way they weren't before and somebody shoots from off the screen. It's just like it, uh, it's just very convenient. So it stops it being very scary. Okay. Thank you. Um, just, just let you know, there no, no, no. Crazies too. There, there, there's, there's no crazies too. Gav, Gav but, I, I want, I want Joel to speak. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, just that providing there is, us some facts. I, I, this is just a fact. There isn't a crazies too, but there is a crazy wedding too, which is probably what Ozzy's. <laughs> right. Uh, Joel, Ozzy's attacking it now for being just a bog standard zombie film and the zombies aren't even consistent, you know, and I feel like that's an important part of zombie films, you know, cause you get like, was it 28 days later when they started running? 
and it's like, well, you know, the zombies are fast now. We can't, you know, that that is quite an important part. We do need our, our zombies to be to follow some consistent rules. Otherwise, what's the point? I know it's not zombies. I know they're they're crazy. Sorry, but monsters in general need to follow consistent rules, right? And is is Aussie right? Is there no? It's just a free for all. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't think so. I like to think, you know, that I've seen probably nearly every zombie film that's ever been made to oh, be honest if I went anyone through, has, like, a, it's you. A, yeah. a phase of just watching them like non-stop and a lot of them follow this kind of similar formula of you know the zombie outbreak or virus whatever it is kind of happens uh you know group of people manage to survive it before things you know turn to shit at the end and it's a very very bleak ending and that's pretty much like the standard zombie formula and that's not really the case here like it, it is um you know completely unique in that aspect um i did like the fact that it's more it's almost like walking deady where uh you know the the people are slightly more dangerous than you know, the actual infected, there isn't actually loads of, like, deaths that result from from the infected people. Um, you know, there's that tagline, I think, in The Walking Dead, like, uh, like it's something like, uh, kill the dead but fear the living or something like that. And it's kind of a very similar vibe here. Um, I couldn't help but feel when I was watching it as well, like, it was almost like, you know, what if coronavirus was like this? You know, at the moment, a lot of the wow. kind of stuff that was happening like really hit home with like the attempted quarantine and mm. all that type of stuff um and yeah the ending you know i think gav touched on it dave touched on it as i kind of mentioned just at the start there a lot of the zombie films in the past even george a. romero stuff will have a really bleak ending where the characters think they've escaped but it all goes to shit type of thing and that doesn't really happen here um you know the two main characters essentially do get to survive and i, I think that's important sometimes just because you know it's nice to have an ending where people actually survive because honestly after you've watched a few zombie films by the end of them sometimes you're like fucking hell i'm depressed now (laughs) everyone's dead Uh, so i think it's important for that and in terms of like the infected um the people with the virus i think i did read somewhere that like I think it may have been on Wikipedia, but like the makeup or something like that uh, took like hours to put on and the contact lenses that they had in for these people, they could only um, wear for like five minutes at a time or something like that, uh, just because of how intense they were. So I think the like the makeup and the, the design of the infected especially was, uh, you know, especially considering that they weren't undead you know, monsters, they were just infected people um, who were a bit angry, uh, mm. essentially like Gav. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you an extra point for that one, Joel. Well done. <laughs> uh, I, I think that worked really well. And just to come back to what you were saying about, you know, should they be consistent? I don't think they should. You know, I think mm. uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, for example, where the zombies run, I think that added like, that added like you know a really big element of sure. extra danger because you just get used to zombies like you know mindless creatures type of thing I, you can I, take I, it too far like land of the dead where they like fucking walk underwater and shit but i think this issue, is like the perfect balance my, my issue isn't if a zombie runs or if a zombie is strong it's just if one zombie or one infected is dumb and boring and slow and can't do anything. Then there's another one that's clever and can open doors and do all of the shit. Or there's one that's strong and then there's like super strong. And then another one that isn't. That's where the frustration comes rather than, um, rather than something, you know, I don't mind if they're strong. Let's say the disease makes something strong, then that's fine. But if, if it behaves differently for everyone, then it's just, it's just inconsistent. So it just means you can make it do whatever you want in order to make that scene work. And that's, that's how it felt in this instance. Contrived. Yeah. Not, not. Yeah. Yeah. Lazy. I, so, I know if I could, I just add, I know yeah, what Ozzy means there. I just want to give you an example because you got like the scene in the car wash where like the, the car wash attendants who clearly missed being rounded up into quarantine, um, attack them as the car's going through there. And they are kind of, they don't speak. They are like mindless thugs just out, out of tear them to pieces. Um, but just earlier that day in an earlier scene, when they go back to Timothy Oliphant and Ryder Mitchell's house, they actually have a bit of back and forth with a couple of the infected. You know, there's, it's the, the family of the man that Gab mentioned at the start of the film, who, who Timothy Oliphant has to kill. 
it's his family have rocked up at his house and they're waiting for him to come back. Um, they're clearly infected. They're wearing the makeup and all, but they still have a bit of back and forth with him, a bit of dialogue about, you killed my husband. This is the guy who killed your father. And they're having a proper dialogue with him. And it is inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get. It's like, can you reason with them? Can you not? What's it, it, it does get a bit perplexing at times. Like, so these are mindless thugs. And yet these are, sentient enough to have a conversation with you and remember their past lives so it's it's yeah it's, it's inconsistent okay. uh kev i'm gonna let you come back on some of those points but also if you could talk about because we've sort of talked a lot about you know our you know our zombies consistent you know the things but like let's go more into the horror of the film as well because it's a horror film so yeah Go on, Gav. Uh, well, uh, just to counter what uh, Ozzy and Dave said there, I think that it's demonstrated quite clearly. One of the uh, characters that we were introduced to earlier on is this character called Bill. He's brought into the um, local you know, um, hospital, uh, doctor's surgery, where um, Rada Mitchell um, looks over him because he's being really despondent. Uh, as the film goes on, he like he then essentially burns down his house and kills his wife and his child, and he's arrested and he's put into the prison cell. And then, uh, as Timothy Oliphant's still trying to figure out what the hell's going on and why so many people are going batshit crazy, you see him, him just he comes more sort of animalistic, more sort of like despondent, more just kind of rage driven. So you see there's that sort of like decrease. So at the very beginning, he's still sort of like he, he can kind of still think, he can kind of act almost human like, but as time goes on, he becomes more animalistic and he just becomes right at the very end. He's essentially just covered in blood and cuts and, you know, he's just clawing at the wall. Uh, and we're also showing that as well because there's a group of our four survivors. One of them is the town's deputy. Uh, and he, we find out earlier on, we're trying to wonder, is he sick? Is he not? He starts becoming more angry, gets more trigger happy whenever he sees a, a, an infected. He, he will shoot them multiple times instead of just once. Um, so we can see that, you know, he's becoming more, this is the, sort of the slow deterioration. So we know there's times when he's like not able to even uh, act um, without kind of just being angry. Uh, but, we're shown later on that he does then have times where he is compass mentis. So we are shown that throughout. So my argument to that would be that they're infected at just different stages. When they find out that it's a plane that's crashed in the nearby stream, we find out that there's a sort of pattern where the way the stream flows is essentially who's getting infected first. So the lower you are down the stream, the less, um, you know, Open. likely... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that th that that's what we're shown later on. So, th those two people that pitch up at the house are probably just become infected, whereas the ones in the car wash have probably had it for a bit longer. Um, when it comes to horror, I think this is really well done. Uh, there are plenty of like traditional jump scares, and there's a lot of you know gory attacks as well to make you wince. A lesser film would have just relied solely on them, but there is this real sense of like doom and dread that just keeps on building and building throughout the movie as the townsfolk get like sick one by one and do horrific acts to each other and then of course as we mentioned before when the army pitch up and quarantine the infected but it becomes more evident that they're just there to wipe out everybody they become the secondary villain or as Joel mentioned before you know some could argue the main villains of the piece because they're more cognitive then there's this sense of paranoia as well I mentioned before about Russell the town deputy becoming sick you, you, you don't know you know like who's infected who isn't you know at one point Judy the, the town doctor gets quarantined because she's got a fever and uh, Timothy Olivan's character is saying well it's because she's pregnant that's why she's got a fever but then later on you're wondering is it is it actually because she's pregnant or is she becoming sick and then you've got Russell as well he's becoming more trigger happy more angry is he just angry at the situation is he becoming more sick once again you've got another character who develops a cough and th the whole thing is just really really paranoid uh, and, and they really create that sense that you know it's it one by one as the pressure is building the characters start like unraveling a little bit and I think that's done very well Lovely stuff, um, Ozzy. And you, I know you had your hand up a while back. Did, yeah, did you? Yeah, well, I was only uh, I was on Gav's uh, little point on on the when I, we were talking about inconsistency. Um, it, it felt to me maybe I missed it, but it felt to me like the incubation period. I think we get told at one point is like two day, forty eight hours. I think it gets uh, gets gets reported as by somebody, and then and then you see that some people it seems to take forty eight hours. It takes a period of time throughout the film. And then others, it's instant. You know, it's they they 
drink the water, eat the food, suddenly they're, they're, they're infected. Sure. Whereas, okay. So that's all it was. And it just felt inconsistent. And maybe Gav's right. Maybe it's just something I missed. All right. Um, Dave, mm-hmm. Gav's saying that this isn't, you know, you haven't got just your standard zombie, which is normally just gore, you know, in, in your sort of like your lower end of stuff. Maybe a bit of thrilling running away from zombies and stuff like this. This sounds like it's got quite a lot going for it. It's got, it's got the gore, obviously, which it would need. It's got jump scares, which Ozzy was saying before are definitely in there. And, you know, again, that's not always in there. But you've got this big, you've got this sense of dread and doom and paranoia, which adds a lot of spice to the proceedings. Is, is Gav full of shit on that one or is he (laughs) i'd say he's 50 50 you know we all know i'm never full of shit (laughs) 50 50 as always um i'm not so sure about the jump scares bit to be honest with you i watched this with cat and cat jumps at everything and she said no you're prosecuting on this one tell them there's only two jump scares as far as she was concerned, there are only two. Uh, and this a film like this, you'd expect to have more. The gore, yeah, it's used quite sparingly, to be fair to it. Um, they don't just go for gore for gore's sake. You know, when there is a, a violent death, yeah, okay, they go for it. But it's not overdone. And I'll give him that. Unlike, you know, the Romero films of old, where he was doing gore for gore's sake, just mm. to, to push his special effects team to the, to the max and see what they could do. Um, and, you know, create some of the best scenes we've seen. You know, this was... This was a little more restrained on that front, I would say. Um, there was another thing you asked me about, and I've forgotten it. You asked me about gore, jump scares. What was the other thing you wanted to know? Paranoia and the sort of sense of dread and doom. Yes, that's through. it. Dread of do- dread and doom. Yeah, I mean, nothing nothing prepares you for doom like you know a, a Johnny Cash song at the start. We'll meet again. Just seems so ominous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, ever yeah, since yeah, Dawn yeah. of the Dead. I think Dawn of the again. It's a it's a callback to the Dawn of the Dead remake, which starts off with another Johnny Cash song. Uh, when the man comes around. Now that is almost apocalyptic in, in its lyrics and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, I think, was going for the same kind of vibe. Uh, there is there is an ominous uh, tone to it. Yeah, there is a sense of dread, a sense of foreboding that's building this kind of like rural backwater part of America that everyone else seems to have forgotten about. So I get that point. Paranoia, not so much though. Um, I wasn't particularly worried about any of the characters. It's like, oh, okay, so this guy might be, it looks like he's becoming infected. They're wondering if that person is, like Gav was saying about the spe- the, uh, the contagion period, you know, or the infection period. It's quite drawn out. You know, there was no sense of concern on my part when I was looking at these characters. It's like, if one of them is going to turn, we've got plenty of warning. You know, we got a good 24 hour period where they, they can be reasoned with and maybe sent pack in on their way before uh, they become a real issue so i th- that sense of paranoia wasn't really there i think they were trying for it in the film for sure they were trying for it i didn't get it as a viewer though um so that part of the sense of dread was it was the hopelessness of the situation i think is where you really get your dread from uh, but that is in part due to the fact that the army are, the, are not there to help anyone <laughs> you know it was kind of like you know america's response was kill them all you know, we're not going to try and fix it. We're not going to try and find a cure. We're just going to kill everybody, which is a very, very black and white way of looking at it. I think it's very anti-government in that respect. Um, and yeah, like I say, the, the bit where, you know, it turns out they've killed the uninfected as well as the infected. It just seemed like a whole pointless escapade, to be honest with you. Why segregate people to begin with? Why temperature check people? More infected ended up surviving because they were too busy killing the uninfected. It was just there for a story point, there for shock value. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, you got the, when they go to the, when the, uh, the healthy people are segregated, you've got uh, a guy there speaking on megaphones, they're all being given supplies and stuff like that. And it's just like, why go to these lengths if you're about to kill them in a few minutes? It just didn't make sense. It was purely for shock value. And the reason it shocks you is because you didn't see coming because it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Sure. I mean, I'd argue, I mean, I'm the judge, but I'd argue that that's probably quite representative of the American government, but. <laughs> <laughs> Shock value, because you don't Shock value, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, right, Joel, um, I'd like to talk a little bit. I, th- I feel like I've, you know, I've got the ideas about the, I've got a good idea about where it's at with the jump scares, with the, you know, the scary stuff and the sort of structure of the film. Casting characters, like, uh, I feel like characters are quite important. You know, I'm not saying you need um, particularly nuanced brilliant characters here but you know you do need some pretty strong ones so how does this film shape up uh yeah i mean pretty decently just kind of like many other kind of films of this type like zombie or virus films you know it's it's half like about you know escaping the virus and then half like a a character study on the survivors type of thing and 
very similar here. Um, there's no like massive names. I mean, T- Timothy Oliphant is pretty much the like you know the, the big the yeah the elephant in the room. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's like the one person that I think most people you know would recognise. The the rest of them, you've got um, Rada Mitchell, who's been in a lot of trash. Let's be honest, but you know, whoa, some whoa, people, whoa, 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 whoa. Some people whoa. may recognise her. It's Gav. She has, on fire. In, she was on in Olympus fire. has fallen. Olympus has risen. All, all those types of films. Yeah. Okay. Um, she got saddled with the fallen films. You know. Like. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd agree, man. I'd, I'd sort of put Man on Fire in there as well. If I oh, right. You've done some good. She was in. Not, she was in Pitch Black. She's done some good yeah, films. Yeah. Oh, come Hill. on, bloody hell, Pitch Black. Is this? Is this? <laughs> is this the height? To be fair, I didn't say she's never done a good film. Just because she's been in a lot of shit, which she has. Um, so, you know, I think. I think those two are probably the main ones. There's a character called uh, Russell uh, who works with um, uh, Timothy Elephant's character. And I actually really like those three as like kind of a, a trio. Uh, I think they're all really kind of strong characters. And there's this like really kind of unique bit, which doesn't really happen in, in most films like, like this, where uh, Russell's character st- kind of starts to act a little bit differently. And it, he just kind of shoots, um, you know, and it, I think he's like a an intelligence officer or something like that. Um, he just kind of shoots him out the blue. Um, and then Timothy Elephant's character, David, kind of, you know, pulls him up on it, says, what, you know, what you're doing, it's a little bit out of character. And then Russell actually realizes that he, you know, might be infected, uh, which I thought was quite unique because right, yeah. in those types of films, you know, that when a character's infected, it's normally like, they've been bitten or mm. you know it's something really really obvious or something like that or in like 28 days later it's um you know there's that scene like where uh, like the blood goes in the eye and they get infected yeah, and, yeah. And, it, and it takes over really quick but i thought it was like quite an interesting take that uh you know that the character actually realized himself that he acted out of personality uh which is abnormal to him and he actually comes to terms with the fact that he's infected and then later on in the film he uh, kind of sacrifices himself as almost like a distraction uh, so the other two main characters can get away. And obviously the big thing in, in films like this is you've got to kind of want the characters to survive a little bit. Um, and I think you do. The two characters, David and Judy, are really well balanced. I think they work really well off each other. Um, you know, there isn't... You always kind of get that kind of stereotype in these types of films where you get like the one who's like a bit of a knobhead and you know, he just wants to shag loads of girls and you, you always get like the, the geek and the tough one and all that type of stuff. And you don't get any of that in this film. They're all just kind of uh, normal townsfolk, if you like, as if, you know, the situation was a little bit more real. Um, so overall, I think, you know, it, it it's it's done really well. You know, it sounds like I've mentioned many people. That's because it's there really aren't that many people. Um, you know, you could, as I say, you could watch this film and you'll only pick out, you know, a handful of people that you've ever seen before. Um, but that seems to be the case with a lot of, again, like George A. Romero films, he likes to cast people that aren't really used in, in many other films. So I think that kind of adds to the experience as well, because, you know, if it was like, I don't know, pluck a name off the top of my head, Pierce Brosnan and... Judy Dench, you'd be like, oh, you know, it's Pierce Brosnan and Judy Dench in a zombie apocalypse. Whereas here, <laughs> you know, you don't. Have I want to see that film. Got the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right, uh, Ozzy, Joel. Um, I'm gonna you know, shoot you straight back. Yeah, sorry, I'm not even gonna let you finish your sentence. <laughs> you don't That's care about you don't care about these characters because you don't know enough about them. You get like five to ten minutes of like boring day to day life to try and give you a backstory on anyone who, who is meant to mean anything to you. Like you really, you really don't care for them. And you, it really doesn't matter about any of them. So it's, it's just not, it's just not, uh, there's no real dread. There's no, uh, there's no fun to it. You know, if, if you say you're watching it as a, just cause it's a zombie film, let's get beyond the point that it's actually just a rubbish movie. Let's think about, is it a good zombie movie? Because loads of zombie movies are crap, um, but they're still enjoyable. But in this, it just isn't because you don't care for those people. Like, there's no, I don't think there's much in the way of redeeming features. It might as well have been made by Oscar Romero, 
You know, it could. <laughs> the, the Bishop of Buenos Aires, Oscar yeah, Romero. Exactly, exactly. That one, Saint, Saint Oscar Romero, may have, have been a safer for him, wouldn't it? Yeah. Of, uh, Sorry, San Salvador. San, San, San Salvador. <laughs> but you know, he just doesn't like. I was really trying to get him in from the from the off, but I couldn't think of a, of a good point to you, you drag him in. Don't worry, Aussie, zombie, you landed it. You know? yeah. Everybody who didn't go to our school was probably like, who the fuck? Is <laughs> But seriously, I just uh-huh. felt like it was just cliche after cliche after cliche. And, and, and you know, I don't mind cliches in a zombie film, but part of what's fun is like how they, you've got to have a twist, haven't you? You've got to have something exciting. It's all about how do you kill shitloads of people in a, you know, in, a, in as dramatic a way as possible. And I just didn't feel like the nuclear bomb was very imaginative you know how else would you kill a lot of people in a very short amount of time <laughs> if, if, if you don't use any sort maybe, of explosion we shouldn't go down that route to be no, honest I, know, that's, <laughs> I don't know but not. I just think like so many other zombie films do a, do a good job of that you know like World War Z not great film but good zombie film you know uh, there's, there's other things other, other films have done a good job of getting rid of um, you know hordes of zombies or hordes of people you know, yeah, one or two. Either the zombies win, or the people win, and and it's got to be done in an exciting way. That's what keeps it. That's what keeps it fun. Right, Dave, I can see you want to jump in. Yeah, just to say, just on the right off the back of what Ozzy's just said, it is completely devoid of subtlety. This film, you know, it ends with a nuclear blast. For God's sake, you know, it's, it, the nuance is out of the window with this. And you know, in terms of Russell's revelation, I actually quite like the character of Russell. Like Joel said, he started off as I just thought he was going to be a background character. I didn't even recognise it was it was Joe Anderson at first. Not not that Joe Anderson. <laughs> not, not the mayor of Liverpool. Um, I didn't even recognise him. I've seen him in a few things before. He was um, just getting his practice in. Just getting his practice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I actually quite like the character Russell as that character grew and I realised oh he's actually going to be a bigger part of the film I, I actually quite liked him um, they were a quartet at one point there was Daniel Panabaka's character um, who gets killed off towards the end but to be fair all she'd done is scream and cry for the half an hour preceding it but the subtlety of Russell's revelation where he's like oh I'm, I might not be quite right has come just after he's shot an unarmed man you know that subtlety again, not not the forte of this film. It it could have come from another way. He could have been building up to this. It could have slowly been coming upon him, and you know his realization, his revelation didn't have to come from this like you sort of Deus Ex Machina of him killing an unarmed man. You know this this deputy. Like he could have realized another way that all is not well and maybe he is infected. And I think it just went it, it just went too far. It went for that shock value again, but shocking you by not making sense. That's how you don't see it coming. Not because it's clever, just because it's illogical. Right, Gav. Uh, I'm going to sort of give you the final word, unless anyone's got something they want to say right at the very end. Um, Depends not, what it's Gav not, says, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not subtle. And it's, I mean, I, that charge at the end, do you know what I mean? It's not It's not surprising. It just doesn't make any sense. That's why you... I don't think that's true. I, I, I Just to disagree with what Dave was saying, the thing about the army killing everybody, I think that they genuinely tr- were trying to help people and were trying to get it organised at the beginning. And when they quarantined the two uh, separate groups of people, when they had all the infected people, they had them just in a cage, I think in the, this uh, just outside the school. And uh, that gets broken down by some like local like yahoos like trying to take on the army because they, I can't think <laughs> of the word yahoos, yahoos. yahoos. <laughs> right, rascal yeah. rascally yeah. fellows yeah, yeah. So, so some some local sort of uh, rascals yeah rascalians they pitch up right and uh, they're trying to fr- free some of their family and then that knocks the cage down and then all of the infected just start running out then and then and it, it's not kind of uh, too much of a stretch of the imagination to think that something similar could have happened at the other camp as well. We're shown that the one side of things. So why, like all throughout, we're shown that like things are becoming more increasingly hard to control. That at the very end of it, the army just says, "Fuck it, let's just nuke it and just start again," because it just keeps on spreading. 
Okay, but Gav, just just to come back to what we started talking about, which is the characters. So, you know, wh- wh- where would you land on the characters and the cast? I, think th- I, I could completely agree with everything that Joel says. I think, you know, all the performances are really, really good, especially um, uh, Oliphant and um, Mitchell. I think they work incredibly well together. You know, it's very, very believable um, that they're a couple and that they're in the professions that they're in. And I, I really, really like uh, Joe Anderson. I haven't seen him in too much beforehand, but he was he was very, very good in this. You know, that, that playing that character of Transformers and slowly uh, I, I once again disagree with Dave um, we, we've we're shown earlier that you know he, instead of just shooting one of the crazies once he shoots them like three times in the head and they're like whoa whoa calm down you know it's dead and he's like oh, I'm just making sure he does that a couple more times you know he snaps a, 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 um, a Becca like once after she's coughing there's a bit in the car wash where he sticks his gun out the window and starts firing wildly and they're like what the fuck are you doing so he is like kind of getting there and getting there and then when he finally kills that unarmed man he's like it's when he finally takes a step back and goes like, that's shit yeah that's it now yeah um, one thing I think is really good that I don't think anyone's touched upon is what I think is incredibly hard to accomplish and the director does a good job of is conveying an entire community in a very short amount of time you know we're showing snippets of different characters short introductions and interactions to set up who they are and what type of people they are because eventually most of these characters become infected and turn into murderous killers so you know i think the director successfully manages to build this world he creates this world in a very short amount of time at the beginning before completely destroying it so later on when we're introduced to these people it's not just like a nameless zombie you know it's oh my god look it's the principal you know we've we've met him before or oh man i I know who that is it's the pathologist so you actually feel more of a connection to these characters than if it would have just been a standard zombie film where you're walking down a corridor and some mindless zombie jumps out and bites one of the people it's like oh i know them and it would be upsetting to see them kill the main guy um yeah overall just think it's creepy it's entertaining it's an old-fashioned horror flick very well done all right thank you gavin unless anyone's got anything to say i'm happy with that to be the last word no right great gav you're up on the quiz as well right me again yeah sorry if if people don't like my voice then this episode is not going to be the one to listen to um so yeah the, the, this quiz is all about films that feature some sort of pandemic um so question number one Fingers on the buzzers. I will not accept an answer unless it's preceded by a buzzer. It needs to be some sort of zombie or pandemic uh, sound, I think, as well. Okay, so question number one. Which of the Hollywood Chris's starred in the 2009 horror film Carriers? Pasta. <laughs> that was my coronavirus uh, buzzer. Um, <laughs> pasta. Uh, pasta. Because yeah. pasta. Pasta. there was a pasta shortage, wasn't there? <laughs> um, I'm going to say Chris Evans. No. Shit. Anybody else? (laughs) Dave? Take Chris Pine. Yes, well done, Chris Pine. Congratulations. Okay, hopefully, an easier question for you guys. Uh, Question number two What is the profession of Killian Murphy's character Jim in 28 Days Later? Uh, I'm going to say Joel, I think. Was he a delivery man? Oh, can you be more specific? Like a... Uh, what well, mode of transportation did he use? Was it a bike or... Yes. A mo- yeah. He was a bike courier. So he was like an Amazon man, but on delivery. a bicycle. <laughs> exactly, his delivery. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, number three. In 2007, which future movie blockbuster did I Am Legend predict via a Times Square billboard? What? So which film hadn't been even made yet? Oh, stay home, protect the NHS. Aussie. <laughs> that's reality, Aussie. Aussie, that's reality. Not a film, mate. That's, that's actually happening. That's his buzzer. That's his buzzer. That's his buzzer. Yeah, sorry. Wasn't it um, Batman and Superman? It was Batman versus Superman. Well done, Aussie. Wow. Oh, nice. He doesn't watch very many films, but every now and again, he cracks out. Films he does answer. watch, you know, it's like the back of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And can compare between ones that... <laughs> the web between yeah. the films is incredible. Yes. Yes. He's like, I had to watch that. 
watched that film three times, so I was scared of it in the first time. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like, like anime, yeah. when I was looking at his films, it reminds me of Charlie Day and Pepe, Pepe Sylvia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, number four. Daybreakers was a film with a preposterous concept about a plague that viciously spreads across the globe in the year 2019. <laughs> uh, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but what did this plague turn its victims into? Pop roll. Joel. Wasn't it about vampires? Yes, it was. It turned them into vampires. Well done, Joel. And question number five. The 2011 film Contagion also had a preposterous conception about a devastating worldwide pandemic that originates in China. Um, But which actress seemingly played Patient Zero? Brains. Alex? Gwyneth Paltrow. Well done. Gwyneth Paltrow, indeed. That is scarily accurate, that film. It is, isn't it? Yeah, when you watch it back. A documentary that happened all before. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like a blueprint of, you know, like, what to watch out for. Uh, You also watch it like, I wish this had, (laughs) I wish more of this had happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Question number six. In the 1995 drama Outbreak, how is the deadly virus brought over to America? Brains. Dave. It's a little monkey. It is a little monkey, yeah. I was going to say inside a monkey. It sounded silly. I was going through pandemic <laughs> movies and I saw the poster for this and it's just hilarious. It's like, you know, three floating heads and then it's like just this big picture of a monkey just like, this, <laughs> this fucker brought the virus. <laughs> 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 Patient, <laughs> talk any monkey. <laughs> <laughs> even worse, the first person he takes as the guy from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> 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 yeah, of all the people people that should have That's been prepared for that um, okay so number seven how is the deadly virus spread in the 2008 horror film pontypool pontypool never seen it nobody knows more about this virus than me alex I mean, honestly, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it spread through popcorn popcorn. popcorn sharing popcorn in no no it's Pasta. Not. alex uh coitus <laughs> no, no, no. Anybody else? Uh, through the air. Yes, it is. Well, it, yeah. I'll give Joel the points. It's through the airwaves, so through sound, it's uh, it's spread. Okay. Um. Next one, number eight. And how is the mysterious toxin in the film The Happening spread? So, what spreads the toxin in the film The Happening? Stuff that happens. No, nobody's seen the happening. No, no. you're all probably better off for it. I heard it wasn't very good. So. Yeah, um, okay. I'm a little upset with China. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, is it spread through serotonin from being at a happening at parties? <laughs> um, the, no, that's correct. To be honest, I mean, yeah, yeah, it does Let's sound make correct. That film. But, but it, no, it's not. It's actually <laughs> spread through plants. Uh, so. Close enough. I'd let you have that one. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Like, like, a, like a horror really version of idea. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Batman and Robin. Uh, uh, question nine: What is the name of the flu in 2011's Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Pasta. Alex. Simeon flu. Yes, well done. It's the Simeon flu. Uh, uh, number 10, Eddie Redmayne and Sean Bean star as a bowl-headed monk and Game of Thrones-esque knight, respectively, in which 2010 horror Brains. film? Dave. It's Black Death. It is Black Death. Yes, well done. Uh, question 11, which country is quarantined off completely and turned into a desolate prison in 2008's Doomsday? Asta. Alex. United States. No. Um, Think closer to home. Bog roll. Joel. Uh, Ireland. No. Brains. Dave. Scotland. It is Scotland, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I did have a question about whether or not they used Iron Brew as currency. (laughs) And I can't actually remember if that genuinely did happen in the film or if it was made (laughs) up. So I left that one out. And finally, question 12. The final climactic confrontation in World War Z takes place in a World Health Organization facility in which country, Ozzy? I know. I've been working there. (laughs) <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I was just testing my eyesight. 
<laughs> I like the way you're in the pussy. pussy. Uh, uh, the UK, it's in Sandwich. Uh, oh, that might be where it's filmed, but where is oh, it set? I don't, oh, I don't know where it's set. No, I know oh. the actual the actual place. I've been to the room. They have still got the handprint on the wall. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Is Bogwell? Is it? I'm just going to guess Germany. No, think closer to home once again. Pasta, oh, Wales. Alex. It is Wales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Um, I think it, it was a draw, to be honest. I think all four of you did all right. Yeah, so he yeah. didn't count the scores. <laughs> <laughs> he I didn't did. count the scores. Nobody does. I did. <laughs> it was three each. You all drew. Well done. I always count the scores. <laughs> I know you do. I think when Dave wins all the time, everyone just stopped counting. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No one wants to give it. <laughs> to be honest, scores. I'm going to give it to Ozzy because I think he answered. Them correctly. His buzzers do deserve the win, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> well done. All right, uh, now much. for the big show. Um, a, a lot of different arguments going on here. Uh, I'd never seen the crazy, so it was, it was anyone's game. Uh, right off the bat, I, I was, I was, it wasn't a good start, I have to say, because it was, you know, we're remaking an, uh, a. a I want to say Oscar Romero film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remaking it. And, you know, maybe it's a bit presumptuous to be remade, but I feel like the defense and, you know, Gavin, Dave sort of, you know, I know, I know you had, you know, you had your points against it, but you did say Dave that, you know, had a bigger budget and, you know, had the blessing of Romero and stuff like that. And, you know, the casting characters did, did make it better. There were some plot points that made it that didn't, you know, quite, make it in and the social commentary wasn't there but if i'm honest i'm not too i wasn't i'm just not too bothered about the social commentary in my zombie films like i, I think it'd be nice and stuff like that but it definitely doesn't feel like that is an absolute key part of a zombie film that there is social commentary i i, I have often enjoyed most zombie films without thinking oh is this a metaphor for no do you know what i mean i'm so i didn't really need it to be honest so maybe it makes it a better film but I, it didn't it didn't seem like a deal breaker at all that to me um, you know, it doesn't sound like it's got a standard formula. It sounds like it's sort of, um, you know, it's not just your standard zombie film. And that kind of made it sound quite interesting to me a little bit. Like, you know, it did seem, seem like there were, there were different things going on. It didn't sound very nuanced, um, which did make me feel a little bit like I might be bored through it. it there's a mix of scares, but it did sound, Dave did convince me and, and, and Aussie that you do get maybe a little Bored, you know, there's this sort of a dread and doom. The, the paranoia is there, but is it really interesting or, or original? So, yeah, I sort of have to have to watch it to see on that one. Um, the characters, I quite like the idea that there's quite a, a, a small amount of characters and they do sound quite interesting. Sounds like you've got a strong three main leads with that many stereotypes. You know, um, again, it did, it did seem like, you know, even, even the defence was saying that they quite liked some of them. And I thought it was quite interesting, this this character. Was it Joe, the one who sort of loses his shit and isn't sure if he's lost it or anything Russell's like that? Russell's the character. Russell, sorry. Joe Anderson's, Joe Anderson's the, actor. the actor. sorry. So, yeah, I like this idea of Russell not being sure. That that seems like what you'd want in a film like this when people are losing their minds. You want a character to actually be using the, the premise of the film. So that did pique my interest. Um, so all in all, I'm, I did it did make me want to watch the film. I don't think it's going to be my favourite film of all time, but... It definitely sounds like a good film to me. And Christ, if Hubie Halloween can make it up on the on the hill, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely sounds. It, it just seemed like when the defence were making their points, they were pretty much both agreed. Whereas sometimes the prosecution, they're a little bit more of a, a difference of opinion. So that made me want to put it on the hit list. So well done, the crazies. Thank you very much, Alex. Very well summed up. Um, genuine opinions. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what I said. Um, I still liked it 10 years later. And I think it is a really, really good um, remake. I admittedly hadn't seen the original before. So I watched the original after I'd watched the remake. And yeah, I, I think maybe that's why I thought it was it was better than the original. Because you, know, you look back at it and obviously, as Dave said before, it's bigger budget. You know, there's more well-known people. And I think they've fleshed out the story a little bit. Um, what I thought was really interesting about it is it, it sort of like reminded me of a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. It's sort of like Night of the Living Dead, the way that ends 
ends, spoiler if nobody's seen that in The Living Dead, is that the, the main character who survives is essentially like gunned down because he's assume, assumed to be a zombie. And then it's just like that sort of like mob mentality. And I felt with this film, it expanded on that even more so. So it's not just like, it's like what then what happens next? Then they, they get the army involved and then it's, you know, this whole mess. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, it was pretty decent. Not the, the best horror film, maybe the best one that I've chosen for Halloween now. So it's <laughs> not saying much. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Joel, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. Uh, there were a few bits that did annoy me, but you know, that's probably par for the course. Like I think there was that bit where um, like two of the infected like get inside and one of them stabs him through the hand and then he like pulls the knife up and stabs stabs the woman like with the knife with his hand still in the knife and obviously the blood and all that would have just got in his hands you know and yeah. he didn't get infected like when i was watching that i was just like you know it'd be it surely it'd be gone yeah and my only other criticism of it was that i i kind of wanted more you know scenes with the infected in really i didn't think that they used them enough um i thought they were like the best scenes where the infected were especially like in the early stages of infection and they're still like able to speak like coherently without just being kind of, uh, you know, a little bit mindless and things like that. But overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I do think it's, it's a little bit different than, you know, the average, the average kind of film like this. And uh, I think Alex will probably enjoy it. It's a little bit like 28 days later with maybe a little bit less action. Thanks, Joel. Uh, Ozzy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I thought it was pretty good as far as, you know, I think it was good. It was above average. I was a bit of a line when it says below average. I think it was a good film um, as far as a zombie film goes, but it was lazy. Like, I didn't lie with what I said. Is that it was pretty... I mean, you guys, I guess that's the phrase, there was, was loads of things that were just there, so convenient. Um, and it was pretty... You know, you know what's happening. It's 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 lazy, but it's it's entertaining. So, probably on the right list. Thank you very much, Ozzy and Dave. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, similar to Ozzy. I don't take back anything that I said. I was pretty truthful throughout, but I'd never said how enjoyable the film actually is. You know, and I do like this film. Um, it's yeah, it's unoriginal, sure. It's it's very convenient. The script writing does seem a bit lazy at times, but it's really well shot. You got a, um, a pair of really likable leads. It keeps your attention as well. You know, this film has enough going for it. It's certainly above average, and it's certainly considerably above average when it comes to the typical zombie horror film. At least it tried to do something different. Whether it pulled it on off, off or not, I'll leave for you to decide. But yeah, I quite like it. I could I could watch this again. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, so yeah, hi, we're all over then our previous film on trial, which was Hubie Halloween, which scored forty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> higher, uh, higher. 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 It sounds like a lot higher though, to be honest. Like mid fifties. Um, Probably higher than that, surely. Sixty high sixties, I reckon. I'm going to go low sixties. Okay. Well, I'll see. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say it must be about sixty five. Uh, well, mid-60s. <laughs> mid-60s. <laughs> mid-60s. <laughs> well, you're all wrong because it was 70. So we're uh, just out of the 60s there. Um, yeah, okay. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, no caption contest this week uh, because I forgot. Um, so, you know. I always say it's lazy and... <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, the weeks and weeks of you calling me lazy with the caption contest, uh, you know, it's got me thinking, maybe I am, and just I've embraced it. Um, So, yeah, no (laughs) caption contest this time. Instead, I'm going to send Fredo to Ozzy. The realization of of Russell when he realized he was infected, you actually realized that you are actually a lazy. Lazy, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It started gradually, you know. Like, like at first, it was like a case of, oh, just you know, not getting out of my pajamas for work, and then before you know it, I'm just lying there in my own filth, eating like exactly. pop tart off my chest. Mm. I mean, in fairness, I've never known anyone be doing DIY for so long and not fucking finish the job. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, okay, on to our next uh, film on trial. It is, unfortunately, the last of our Halloween Horror Month films. 
And it's the week. It's the week off. It's the week of Dave, essentially. Yeah, because it's Dave. <laughs> it's your Dave. Dave. Love it. <laughs> week of Dave. Uh, so, Dave, would you like to tell us what you picked and why you picked it? Yeah, I've picked Odd Thomas, which is uh, Anton Yeltsin film. Came out about 2013, I think. I'll double check that. Check in next week to see what year it came out. Uh, it's based on a Dean Koontz novel. Who's always an author. I've been kind of hit and miss with. You know, he's he's kind of a poor man Stephen King to me. But every mm. now and again, he comes up with a gem. And I like to think Old Thomas is one of those gems. And I think this is a good film adaptation. I watched it once uh, a few years ago, but it stuck with me. It's one of those films that you still think back to every now and again. So either, I don't know, I was having an episode and I don't re- it wasn't that great, or there's a reason why it stuck with me, why I still think of that film every now and again, why I'm still reminded of it. And so I'm hoping when I watch it for a second time, it's still held up. It's still a decent film. And we'll find out next week what I thought of it in the cold light of day. <laughs> Maybe it's like, you know, in 20 years' time, Dave, when you've got like a vague recollection of Suicide Squad and you think, yeah, that was good, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You you know my memory, Joel. I will remember that scene (laughs) for scene. (laughs) I just, I I really hope we, well, no, I hope we haven't just lost Dean Koontz as a listener as well. (laughs) (laughs) He's been called worse than a poor man Stephen King. I just get the idea of Dean Koontz. I love this. Oh, oh. Oh. I I think it'd be the other way around. I think it'd be like, oh, wow. So I'm just near as I'm good hit. as Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I come up with the odd gem. The odd gem. I will take this. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, as Dave has picked it, he'll be defending it, obviously. However, all of the other roles have been picked out that has a random. So in the role of co-defense will be me. Uh, in prosecution will be Alex and Joel. And the judge will be Ozzy. So yeah, thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you like the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe. And why not leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast just spread the warm love that is film central in as many ears as possible check us out on twitter at film trials or instagram youtube or facebook films on trial so that is it the crazies is a hit and we're going to be in your ears next week with odd thomas goodbye what is this i've got no idea I think it was the in the year before Aussie, BA as we call it. <laughs> <laughs>